Star Wars sessions. Probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. The Star Wars sessions podcast. Part that he loves a good Star Wars session. Absolute legends of Star Wars sessions. This is the way. This is the way. Please welcome your hosts, Matt Hudson and Luke Bly. This is when fun begins. Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the galaxy and welcome to Star Wars Sessions. Come for the Star Wars, stay for the sessions, stay longer because it's coming home. My name is Matt Hudson, <laughs> aka Jabba the Hud, and joining me in the cockpit of the Essex Falcon there, he's the greatest Star Wars man, fan and buddy out there, it's Luke Bly. We all know him and love him, it's Master Bly Walker. How are you, friend? <laughs> I'm good, Matty boy, I am good. It's been a, it's been a busy day, it's been a busy day, I think. Uh, and it's been a busy week. How on earth are you, mate? But this is our first main show for like two weeks, right? So we missed uh, out. Yes. Obviously, we did a round table last week, which was brilliant. You know, yes. um, spinning a round table. Um, <laughs> oh. We all, Minogue, some Kylie Minogue is always appreciated here at Star Wars yep. Sessions. Uh, mate yep. boy, ha- how are you, mate? You good? Uh, yeah, mate. Sessions HQ is bouncing with the Minogue. Um, yes, mate, very well. Been obviously, as we alluded to, been watching a footy this last week, uh, so that's taken up some time. And yep. enjoying this unseasonably hot weather, and then it starts to rain again. But yeah, mate, I'm 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 loving it. England play, England win. It may be coming home, so uh, it's time to start getting over over excited and over ambitious now, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, that's it, man. That's it. Yeah, mate, loving loving life, loving the Star Wars stuff. You know how mm. it is. Bad Batch is still coming out, so we're still dropping yes, on Bad Batch episodes every Friday. And I still love doing that, mate, but I'm still like, yep. man, Fridays, waking up, watching Bad Batch, recording with uh, Big Boy Hudson. I mean, come uh. on, it doesn't it doesn't get much better than that, does it? And you talk about the football, man. Like, I, a few moments ago, I got a DM from our boy, uh, Ollie. Ollie Barkham, is it? Yep, Barkham. Um, Bartram, Barkham. I don't I'm know. Go for Bartram. I'm going to go Bartram. I'll go for Barkham. We'll do. We'll do, just to be You'll so, Barkham probably, up the wrong imagine tree. Imagine if it's Barsham. Yeah, it's Barsham. Oh, we've, <laughs> we've got it completely right. It could be. You never. It probably is with us, mate boy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he messaged me saying, "Blylo Ren, I'm closing down on you." This is, of course, referring to our fantasy football uh, Euro league which has been great fun we've got loads of sessioners on that the discord's been popping you know it's just been really nice it's been really really nice and of course we're gonna maybe we're gonna meet some of our sessioners for the first time this weekend can you believe that oh I lo- no mate i can't a lot of the sickos are going to be coming down to essex coming to our neck of the woods uh to nerd base we've been promoting this on uh some of the shows over the last month it's the nerd base star wars weekend this coming um, Saturday and Sunday, if you're listening when it comes out, that's the 3rd and 4th of July. Mm-hmm. Nerdbase, Google it, Nerdbase. Uh, we've got some, we're going to be there, which is pretty sweet. Obviously, Nerdbase is probably the best independent uh, geek shop in the country. They've got Star mm. Wars cosplayers coming down. They've got actors from the films coming down. Um, a lot of local cosplayers too, so support for them. So we're going to be there to buy stuff and just meet a lot of you guys, but just to support the local shop as well, because it's incredible. Yeah. And as, as as we've been saying, when it comes to things like the footy, it can be related to something like this. We've all been cooped up for a while now. It's nice to get out, see people, and have a good laugh in the name of Star Wars as well. So 
cannot wait to ch- turn up there and have a good time and uh, hopefully see some of your lovely faces yeah definitely i i, I hear old big boy luke summerfield is driving to nerd base all the way from <laughs> south wales so oh, now's the time to tell him it's not really on it's a hoax it's not really a hoax it's yeah. definitely still on <laughs> and i've heard he's even staying in england to watch the england match later that night yeah, of, course so. of course he is <laughs> that's the rumors that's he's the gonna rumors. stay at one of those b&b's in the pubs he's gonna sample some british hospitality english yeah. hospitality english, that's it we're all yeah. brits sorry yeah, yes, uh, yeah, we're all one we're all under one yeah. flag but <laughs> Yeah, man, it's it, looking forward so much to the weekend. Uh, it's Nerd Base. So if you can do, if you're in the area, all you fancy is getting on a flight, Nerd Base. Search them up on uh, Instagram. Find them on Google. Nerd Base, best independent geek shop in the United Kingdom, potentially the world as well. Yeah. So come along and support them. And come and see Luke's hair I think, in the flesh. I think we're going to be there. We're going to try and aim to be there for like midday. Um, and there's yeah. like a few pubs nearby. We're going to get a pint. You know, yep. oh man, I'm literally just going to be going to the pub, then to the nerd base, then to the pub, to the nerd base. Yeah, well, I mean, and nerd base, nerd base are doing their best to like accommodate COVID situations and whatnot. Be, so, uh, and those guys, yeah, th- th- those guys are really good with that kind of thing. So they're following procedure. Uh, so don't be worried about that kind of stuff. But of course, um, if you know, you if you don't have the circumstance to 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 come, then that's cool too. But we can't wait to meet yeah. loads of you. And, uh, look, and follow, we'll follow our socials, and I'm pretty sure you'll be seeing pictures and vids going up on there. So we'll try to make everyone feel uh, as part of it as possible. Definitely, man. Definitely. And then you, and then lastly. For this kind of like intro chit chat bants bit, uh, Mabel, you've been a bit of a busy boy, right? When it comes to oh. the publishing Star Wars Mate. world, our, our friends over at Penguin Random House, Delray UK, the kings and the queens who reside up London way, uh, very kindly sent us the latest addition to the High Republic canon, the High Republic: The Rising Storm by Kavan Scott. Uh, so I read that and I dropped a non-spoiler review earlier this week on the star wars sessions podcast feed and also a written review on the website starwarsessions.co.uk if seeing things with your eyes is more your thing but uh, i won't give my thoughts here but non-spoiler review you can listen to it or you can read it so starwarsessions.co.uk is a place to find all of that but thank you again to the guys and girls at penguin and Dora uk for the for the book is very much appreciated yeah absolutely mate absolutely so really what you'd say is 10 out of 10 yeah oh yeah 11 out of 10 11 out of 10 yep 11 out of 10 don't even read don't even listen to the review but no i didn't give it quite give it 11 out of 10 but uh listen for anyone who's in digging the horror public which i know a lot of people are and judging by the sales i think lucasfilm are uh, pleasantly very surprised as well um Mm. love Mm. to hear your thoughts on this new book but i think that's, that's kind of our news this week but I, I can hear those dusty old times of Big Ben Kenobi in the background, which only <laughs> mean one thing. I, my boy, I think it means it's the Galactic News Round. Matthew Robinson, writer of Love and Monsters and the Invention of Lying, has been revealed as the writer of Patty Jenkins' forthcoming Rogue Squadron. Filming for Star Wars Andor has moved to the abandoned Worksworth Middle Peak Quarry in Derbyshire, England. 
and Amelia Clark reveals that she has a few ideas for a Kira spin-off series. Hi, this is Details, actor, creature performer in Star Wars, and you're listening to Star Wars Sessions, probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. Yeah, you're damn right. And now, joining us this week, we're very excited to say, is a man who's he's got a big job in the galaxy far, far away, in that space western we all know and love, the Mandalorian. And he is a man who is not unfamiliar to the western scene. It's Brendan Wayne. How are you, mate? I am so good. I'm so glad to be on here. Thank you, you guys, for reaching out. I'm, I'm honoured. Well, it's great to have you here, mate. It really, really is great to have you here. And as as the listeners know, we're going to spend the next hour talking just about football. That's we're going right. to talk about the Euros. Brendan, <laughs> is it coming home? Yes. Yeah, yes. Are the Italians in Euro? Yes, they <laughs> yeah. are. Yeah, Still. no, they're, they're looking pretty spicy, the Italians, to be honest, Brendan. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> they'll probably shank somebody. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Home. Exactly. Brendan, thank you so much. We, we know you're a busy guy. You've taken the time to come speak to two Brits about Star Wars. Um, and mate, honestly, it's such a privilege to talk to you. Um, just some background information. Let's say someone's never heard of you. They've never heard of your career. You've done some amazing things. Would you mind just giving us a brief overview of the yeah, things I mean, you've I- done and what you're known for? Sure, I, th- I think you kind of described all of the casting directors in Hollywood. Somebody <laughs> know me or my career or anything I've done. Beyond that, though, I, uh, you know, I, I was late to the game as far as you know deciding to become an actor. So I mm-hmm. started in my late twenties, um, much like my grandfather, who yeah. uh, happens to be uh, of a Scottish fella named Marion Morrison probably better known as John Wayne. I've heard of him. Uh, Yeah, I think I've heard of him. Yeah, (laughs) you know, I guess he had some kind of career. (laughs) (laughs) He won an Oscar or so, wore some hats. Yeah, I mean, rode some horses. But we will leave that to something else. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so I kind of grew up, I was the last eight kids. My mom is his uh, daughter. So, uh, yeah, I grew up around the business, if not in it, my my. On my dad's side, uh, Gregory LaCava was a Academy Award nominated yeah. director. He did Primrose Path, my man Godfrey back in the days when they switched from talkie or from silent to talkie. So I grew up in the business and I was out here in LA, which is, you know, pretty much Hollywood as we think of it. And so I, I just, you know, I grew up and then with the, with the help of my, my wife, uh, I booked my first job on Angel. And mm-hmm. then uh, I thought, man, my career's on fire. And uh, then I didn't work again for two years. <laughs> it's just the way it's just yeah. Hollywood, isn't it? Oh yeah, I mean, it was just like you, you know, like you get, you think, oh, here's my breakthrough because you, yep. you buy, and I, like I know better. I know that it's there's never been an overnight success in the history of the business. There hasn't. But I was like, I'm I'm good forever. And then <laughs> that's not true. But then I, you know, I just kept kind of, you know, picking and working at it. And uh, you find different things that you can be valuable at. And I think this goes with any, you know, work that you do in the world. Um, 
And you go, how do I, how do I make that a strength so I can, you know, be more valuable? And so I just became, you know, traditionally, a, a, I'm a physical guy. So I realized, hey, let's see if I can make that something. And it, it's worked out for me. I mean, I, I know that it says stuntman. I know that everything, you know, however they label me, they label me. But I, I am not a stuntman. Those guys are on another level. Like what mm-hmm. they do it's and incredible. what's asked of them, I cannot. I can't claim any of it. I'm I'm good physically. They're on another level. They are absolute masters. So uh, just that's something that I always like to clear up because what they do is is what makes certain things just absolutely beautiful to watch, and uh, it's an important piece of what we create as you know uh, I don't know storytellers. Mm-hmm. So. I, I was trained as an actor classically. I learned to dance. I learned to sing. I learned to fence. Honestly, all the classical things. And then, uh, you know, I went and did Angel. That was my beginning. And then Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. later. I did Cowboys and Aliens, which kept me in uh, John Favreau's, you know, uh, psyche. Of course, and, yeah. Yeah, you know, like I did a, uh, <laughs> I did a double backflip off a horse. 70 feet in the air like they pulled me in cowboys and aliens like the aliens supposed to pull me and i go 70 feet in the air and i didn't want to do a simple like just pull so i asked the stunt coordinator i was like tommy you got to help me out here i I need to do something crazy and he's looking at me like you're not a stunt man but let's see what happens and he did it and it was great the stunt guys were uh, amazing they made sure i was safe and and i think that kind of stuck with john so like Mm. for him it's it's, you know, Brendan is this stunt guy kind of thing. And really, it's just that I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a really physical actor. And the more physically I can get involved, the better I am at conveying whatever the story's asking of me. And so, you know, push came to shove. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm putting on the, the bucket and walking around and, and I'm getting to do Westerns. It just happens to be in the Star Wars universe. Wow. <laughs> you know what so, so to call a spade a spade, you yeah. really are one of the Mandalorians, right? You're the Mandalorian. He's the Mando. I mean I, I will say I, I am I am a Mandalorian. That's that's where I can go with that one. I am a Mandalorian, without a doubt. I actually played multiple Mandalorians on the show, but yeah. Yes. I memorize the lines. I I do I do the work, um, so that I can I can give them the best opportunity to tell the story that we we all have grown to love. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've you really you've been a in in the suit right of what has become one of the most iconic things in recent pop culture and maybe pop culture in general, because the Mandalorian is a TV show. I'm not, I, to this day, I always say I'm not entirely sure Lucasfilm and Disney quite realized what they had in their hands. When John Favreau and Dave Filoni said, you know what? We're going to make a TV show called the Mandalorian. We think it's pretty cool. Kathleen Kennedy was like, yeah, let's do it. And lo and behold, we've got this huge mega hit. I mean, how does it feel to be part of that legacy, Brendan? You know, you're the Mandalorian. How has yeah. this changed your life? <laughs> I, I, will, I will start by saying, you know, it starts with, obviously, it starts with George Lucas and me growing up 
you know, obviously I had Westerns in my life, but, you know, when I grew up, they started to switch over to the space stories and, and to science fiction because, uh, I don't know why, because they did. And, uh, uh, Star Wars for me was exactly that. Han Solo is, you know, uh, my grandfather and so many different types of his characters that he's played, you know, and, and then you have the, the Mark Hamill's and things like that. They're like the Jimmy Stewart's that were, mm-hmm. uh, the Luke Skywalker's like the Jimmy Stewart. And you, you see it like really the man who shot Liberty Valance is kind of what I saw. Um, when I watched star Wars, you know, mm-hmm. you have my grandfather's, uh, uh, he's not a white hat wearing cowboy, but he does the right thing. And, in the toughest situations mm-hmm. and uh he's willing to sacrifice for the good of all which is something that as a mythology we all want in our lives and it's really important you know being the father of three kids it's important that these kind of values are put out there um and so uh that's what star wars was and is and you know i was the last of eight kids i have five brothers and so when it came time to pick who you got to be in star wars I ended up having to be Boba Fett all the time and uh, because they were bigger and stronger and faster. And Mm -hmm. I got the last choice. So I had to be the bad guy. And then eventually I realized he wasn't the bad guy, or at least when I told the story in my head. And then, you know, it became this thing. And I realized, oh, my grandfather wasn't always in a white hat. So Boba Fett's kind of like this. And so for me growing up, that's what it was. It was Star Wars was this great thing. And then we come to, you know, Dave and John and they've decided, you know, how do we introduce Boba Fett without introducing Boba Fett? Because everybody wants to see Boba Fett. (laughs) You're right. Mm -hmm. You know, and how do you, because you're never going to meet that expectation. You know, it's kind of like um, Jeff Bridges doing True Grit. No matter what he did. Yeah. I don't care, you know, you're never going to do, you're never going to be, you're always going to be compared to John Wayne and you're never going to be as good. That's the film he won his Oscar for, isn't it? True. Exactly. And so, uh, you know, for me, I thought these guys are genius, absolute genius because they found a back door to tell this story without telling the story that everyone else has already told. You know, yeah. whether it was me as a kid telling it or, you know, the way that people have, you know, the fans have written their own canon and written their own story. So it was really, really cool. Uh, beyond that, you know, it's a dream come true. You know, you, 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 I mean, I got into this business for this exact reason. Like you get mm-hmm. to go into worlds and away from, you know, the, I got to, you know, find a way to get my kids a great education or I got to, you know, pay a bill or figure out how to make my car work or whatever it is, you know, those mundane things we have daily. Um, I got to go in my job and, and go imagine every day something and then go to set and you have like a, a Doug Chang or a, or like Rebecca or Andrew, any of these guys who create these visual stunning visuals. And then you have, you know, Dave's incredible artistry and, and John's incredible vision. And they, it wasn't a fight amongst them. It was a such an incredible and and John's so good at creating a collaborative approach. You walk in and, and, and you know the first thing I ever you know donned the suit for was uh, we went to the IG11 and I go in and we're 
going to find the child and and we're fighting all the all the the enemies you know coming in there and it's like <laughs> walking onto a set and it's a full set like i was i was a kid i was running around uh-huh. in the buildings goofing off and then we're talking about how we're gonna set up this fight how the camera's gonna roll along with us and i'm sitting there with latif the the you know the absolute stud of a stunt man there's <laughs> and 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 talking to ryan watson who's like this is how we you know create these stunts these fights how are we going to make this work i'm thinking of this and i'm saying well you know in a western i'm not i'm not throwing a you know a high leg kick he's not doing that we're we're, we're going a lot of big wide punches let's get into it and and you realize oh i'm just doing what i did when i was a kid i'm just I get to be the guy that yes. I suppose. And it's, you know, it is in the, it's purest sense, exactly what we wanted to do as kids. Well, you've made two guys over here quite jealous <laughs> hearing all that. Um, mate, honestly, honestly, um, well, Boba Fett, the funny, cause when I, when a lot of people before Mando came out, were saying, you know, is this gonna? Is he gonna be Boba Fett? Is this just an, another Boba Fett, or is this a backdoor for a Boba Fett show? As it turns out, it kind of wasn't any. Certainly not the latter, even though it appears to be. But you mentioned that you like to embody, you know, whoever it is you're playing, and that's something which I personally, and I know Luke has as well, and a lot of our listeners have been stupidly impressed with because we know that um, Pedro Pascal and other stud voices Din Djarin. He is a voice in the face of Din Djarin. But certainly in this first season, especially, people were so impressed by the depth of emotion and character that you brought to the character of the Mandalorian, whether it was the, your poise, your gait, or the way that you know your head would tilt or something. That must be, for, for, for somebody underneath the helmet, knowing that it's similar to kind of Dave Prowse and James L. Jones, knowing that you know, people are going to be talking about Pedro, you know, to hear that kind of praise, because I know that there was a lot of it, that must mean an awful lot as well, because what you bring to the role isn't just a guy in a suit. You are the character until you're not when, you know, the voice voiceover is put over. So that must be yeah. incredibly, yeah. incredibly good to hear. Yeah. I mean, uh, as far as the, the ego rules, it, it was, it was, it was really cool, you know, yep. to, to get the reaction that we wanted. And, and, and I take credit for whatever, little thing that I brought to it. But um, when I say it's a village, I mean it. Uh, yeah. The reason why it was so bloody successful is because of the, you know, the people around you, they, they wanted you to succeed. These people yes. love Star Wars. They, they love, the, they want it to, and not, it's not about at the end of the day, do we make a billion dollars? That's what I love about the set. And I'm talking the prop guy to the PA the excitement to be there was there. It was the same thing from the bottom to the top. And I mean to John. John wasn't approaching this like, okay, how do I, how am I? And, and yeah, of course, he probably had the vision. But he approached it with the same excitement you and I do, you know, when we see, uh, you know, uh, Slave One come in or mm-hmm. we see the Razor Crest or, or the child, you know, reaches out and, you know, has almost an E.T.-esque moment. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, it, you know, where you just, you're like, no, or you see, you know, Luke Skywalker destroy the dark troopers oh, 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 oh. and, and you, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps saying it. Um, <laughs> wow. And so it, you, it, 
I, I mean, yes. To say that I, I was not, you know, incredibly uh, pleased to hear that people took it well would be disingenuous. But to say that it was me and I'm, you know, you know, I, I know that and I've been told, you know, like publicists, PR people, they're like, take credit, take credit. I, I refuse because, you know, it started with my wife having to put up with me ordering a Boba Fett helmet on <laughs> Amazon and then putting on my, you know, motorcycle uh, uh, body gear so that I could I could understand what it was going to be like to put on this helmet and, yeah. and walk around in this suit and then practicing drawing, walking through the house. And my daughters are looking at me like, Dad, you are such an imbecile. And I would draw my, you know, uh, water gun out of my holster and and show them and they'd be like oh my oh my god dad cringe dad <laughs> and i and you know like i was like no i can do this without being the dork that i clearly am because guess what <laughs> they are paying me so i have to be really good i have a responsibility to people like me who love star wars so let's yeah. let's go do this and then you get on set and these people you know who are like oh that's number like on a call sheet we they number people and it's like one through whatever. And mm-hmm. somebody, some diva made number one, potentially a good or bad thing. And it should always be a good thing to me. And you should be the one who includes everybody. Like you guys clearly are what, why star Wars is so good is because I can show my kids the mm-hmm. show and not feel like I, I have to shower afterwards or, disseminate a bunch of little <laughs> secrets that were thrown out there where you're like, I, I'm, I don't, uh, Oh, how am I going to, how is this going to affect <laughs> my kids? This is the kind of stuff that we, you know, not to be, you know, some prude in the corner. I'm not, but, uh, time and place is really important. And that's what star Wars is. It's yeah. that moment where we can all just sit down, take a deep breath and know we're going to watch something that's not going to dirty us up. You know. That's so true. Yeah. That is so true. And that mm-hmm. is what George Lucas originally intended Star Wars to be like, right? He looked around at the at the state of cinema and he said, you know what? I feel like there's no fairy tales right now. Yeah. You know, I think there's, there needs to be stuff for kids, the things that they can look up to, right? But I mean, Brendan... Think about the Westerns. I, I say this all the time and I, and I, and I, like Joseph Campbell, who's somebody that my mm-hmm. acting coach, Nikolai Guzov, um, mm. he, he really believed in a lot of these imageries because of his, uh, you know, mentor, uh, George Donoff and Michael Chekhov, all these guys. Anyways, their idea was that acting although is like Olivier said, you know, it's acting. So imagine not, you know, mm. and, and mythology, like the Americans had the, had the Western and it was this idea, you know, of, you can, and even if it's mm-hmm. tough, you can persevere. But they, it was mythology. The Greeks had it. Everybody's had a mythology of some yeah. sort, and that's yes. what that's what Lucas saw was we we're going to lose the Western. So yeah. I'm going to create something, and he created something that that took it. And you know, this is coming from somebody whose pedigree comes from the Western, which is I'm going to take it at another level because I'm going to create something that is more inclusive, that is more. Uh, approachable and if the Mandalorian is anything it's I could not be more approachable and I didn't know it at the time I really didn't I thought it was so 
masculine and masculine egocentric. I, you know, I, I didn't think of it that way in a negative way, but I did think it was very, you know, this way. And then I, it, the show goes and, and the people who are reaching out to me are, you know, anywhere from a four year old young girl thrown on the bucket and being like, I am Mando to oh, wow. you know, like a 40 year old woman who's doing it. And then you realize, Oh man, I, I, everything that I prepared in the role was, you know, like with John was very great about saying, Hey, your stillness is really important. Every movement is really important. Mm -hmm. You watch, you know, Clint, you watch your grandfather, their presence is there because they trust the camera, the cameraman, they trust the storytelling mm. and, and we're allowed to allow the audience to impress upon the character, their feelings. And that's yeah. what made the Mandalorian great. I was yeah. a mirror and eventually I really was a mirror as my armor got better. <laughs> a Tesla, but, but that's what it was. It is, this, it is this thing like, Oh my gosh, it doesn't matter who's watching it. They can all be the Mandalorian. Yes. There it's is relatable, no, isn't it? It's yeah, relatable. There's no male can... or female, you know, connotation. It is not a race. It is not a religion. It is a creed. It's something you live by, which is the cowboy way, which is Star Wars mm. way. And so, yes, to, uh, to tell a long story, yes, it was really cool to, <laughs> to hear the recognition of the thing, but I can't do it without, without Simon Jays and Baz uh, telling me that, um, hey, stop shaking your head. You look like a bobblehead, you imbecile. You know, uh, <laughs> it, but it, but it really, we were even the, you have guys who are grips who are like, Hey, look, this is really important because in the canon, this is what happens. And, yes. and you realize you're telling a story that's, I could get egotistical, I guess I probably would have been fired eventually, but um, <laughs> I could get egotistical about it, but it's, it doesn't mean as much to me if I do. It means more to me that you guys care that this story was told than I told the story. Woohoo! Yeah, that and yeah. five bucks to get me a cup of coffee at Starbucks. I want to go. I want to go and sit down and have dinner and hang out and talk about it. Oh, how did that affect you? That's funny because when we were on set, I didn't. I'll tell you right now. I didn't think the child Grogu. Um, I I just thought he was another you know, piece of the story. I didn't think he was, he was going to be so integral. I didn't see it. Yeah. And that's yeah. where John and Day's vision and, and Rick Famuia and, and Deb Chow uh, and Bryce, that's where their vision and their ability to tell the whole story, you know, becomes so integral. It's really cool. That's why number one on the call sheet, isn't as important as what the writer wrote and how the director sees the whole story being told because I'm just a function of the story. Yeah. And I think that, I, I think that really comes across in the production, like when you're watching it, I know you've already said, I've got a few like counterpoints or things to add to what you've said, Brendan, yeah. because you talk about us like appreciating it, man. Like we love this show, like <laughs> oh, yeah. this show is so universally loved. And when yeah. I say, like, we all know last year especially was so difficult. It was so difficult, so hard for many people, many, many people, and it's still very hard for so many people around the globe. But I tell you what, I tell you what was a, just a perfect bit of light relief was The Mandalorian Season 2 
toward the end of 2020 may i'm telling you it was like the it was like one of the only highlights of that year it probably was like the only decent highlight of that year because and it was just perfect and i think that's why the story just screams to people it it, it relates to them just deeply and even if they don't necessarily understand the specifics as to why you know that doesn't matter they're enjoying it no that's enjoying it that is the truth if you could just walk away from your life for a minute sometimes it's 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 how you recharge it's it is i agree and i love to hear it i really do because i when i watch the show i'm able to you know uh just go and listen to the story and watch the story and and watch it be told and it not from my experience but from the from the storyteller's point of view. And it's so cool. Um, you know, if you think of like with the pandemic and all that stuff, you, the journey, you know, the travails and the overcoming, those kind of stories are really important to watch, I think, because it, it does reinvigorate our, you know, tired struggle. Sometimes. Yes. Yes. And our hope, you know, that's the one thing, you know, a new hope. It really is important that, you know, we have hope and belief in each other. And, and I think, I think, you know, Mando's growth from one to two uh, is so important because it's, it's the idea of, of how does he go from singularity to uh, a community and, and how does that affect him and how does he still live and, not judge and not overreact and not feel isolated in his growth and and watching it was really cool and and doing it was even cooler um but yeah i i i agree with you i see it i feel it i feel the same thing like you you get to get away from the stress of it all and and that's what this was wow I mean, Brendan, you've me- you've mentioned already like the presence of the Mandalorian of Dinjarin, yeah. and I kind of I kind of can't help but wonder how similar, but also how different is, let's say, your cowboy, uh, let's say, spirit compared to your grandfather's, right? Because there's that direct link there, but there are many people who don't even know much about the Mandalorian and they just see him walking. They see his body language. They, they see what he brings to the show and they go cowboy. Right. So I'm really intrigued to see like what, what's different, but what's similar. Well, you know, it's for me on a personal journey, it's been pretty neat because, uh, you know, you grow up and you're John Wayne's grandson and, Mm, uh, right. It's, it's a, it's not a bad shadow to grow up and I never had a bad day because my grandfather was John Wayne. I, I would never, I, I would never pretend that it's never a cross to bury, uh, to, to, to carry. Um, but as far as being an actor and following in those footsteps, it's different because I'm six foot. And when, you know, uh, when I'm healthy, I'm 175, 180 pounds. He was six foot five, 260 pounds. Yep. Wow. He was a monster. So there are certain things that I just, I'm not, which is I'm not a uh, 
six foot five, 260 pound guy, they carry themselves <laughs> just different. You know what I mean? They really do. Um, and I didn't, I've never, I shied away from it when I came into the business because I knew I wasn't that guy. I've walked into rooms where casting directors are five inches above where my head is and then they fall down to me and you can see the disappointment and you're like, well, I'm not getting this role. <laughs> uh, but, you know, so I was, you know, and I was the last eight kids who was the smallest of the eight, you know. So I, my smallest brother is like 6'2", 240 pounds, you know, and they get up to 6'5", 280. You know, they're just monsters. Uh, so I always kind of lived with the uh, – I wasn't – I didn't have short guy complex. I didn't have to go fight everybody. You know, but <laughs> but there was uh, the concept that I'm not going to pull that off. And what John taught me with Dave and and Deb Chow and Rick Famuia and and uh, you know uh, Bryce <laughs> Bryce, um, <laughs> you know what they what they taught me and and Robert Rodriguez, uh, he's taught me more than I can even. Anyways, the, what they taught me was. Um, it isn't the height and the natural things. Those are there and they are, or they aren't, but that, you know, they gave me confidence to walk in that suit and not have to demonstrate or illustrate certain things, but to trust that they were there. And so like my walk is my walk. I know everyone's like, Oh, he walks like his grandfather. And I laugh. <laughs> with them, like, I don't, I walk like me, first of all, he had small feet for a guy who was six five, and uh, I think they're inside. By the way, yeah, I think they're in Celia's room. Um, sorry, I had a guest. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, he was six five with a size, you know, ten and a half, ten foot. I'm six foot with a size ten foot. I wear, I have a pair of his boots that my mom had because she was six foot uh, and could wear his boots. So like. You know, there's these little things. I walk like him because we both had tight hips. And that's, mm. you know, I'm, I, there's this story about, you know, he learned to walk that way. Okay. If that works for you, what the, what happens is when people tell me to slow down, I can't help the way my hips move. I'm like Shakira. <laughs> so lie, mate. There we it go. Just, we, you've heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> How does yeah. Shakira play into Star Wars? Well, you found out in Star Wars section. Sorry, Brandon. Go on. Go on. Little did you know is that, that John Wayne, really, that's where Shakira got her moves. <laughs> but, I, you know, I, uh, I was literally like, you know, how do I uh, explain? And then I was like, wait, I, I don't have to explain anything. I'm just, this is just who I am physically. This is how I move. And then, you know, I, I've been boxing for 25 years now um so my physicality has always informed my acting so much like my grandfather who was a physical guy in the first place um i i had to start with um that like i had to start with the physicality and i realized oh this is what my grandfather do- did this is how he this is how he uh worked so there's a lot of similarities like that now on the flip side you know, his hand was as big as my head, you know, his arms were like my legs. So there's just a certain intimidation factor that he was able to 
do without even thinking twice about. So you, you kind of just, you let go and, and you go, okay. And my mom used to say to me when I was going to be an actor, I was like, I don't, I, I can't ever be a leading man. I'm not that pretty or whatever. And she's like, really? Ask Danny DeVito what he thought. Yeah. And I went, oh. She's like, Did somebody tell him, oh, woke up one morning and we're like, yeah, you're clearly a leading man. No, he just carried himself and his talent proved out. So don't worry about that stuff. Don't let anybody define you at any given moment. Evolve. And that informs the Mandalorian for me is the evolution because he is constantly evolving mm-hmm. from a single-minded bounty hunter to, I mean... It's so weird to say this, but to a to a <laughs> a family man, he's yeah. a dad. Yeah, you know, yeah, he's the he's dad of Lori, and like the dad of Lori, that's it, man. It's so crazy, but yeah, I'm honored, you know, to 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 be John Wayne's grandson, and I I, I was able to take a role that and this is going to be blasphemy to somebody, I'm sure, but that <laughs> eclipses the idea you know, to a lot of people, but it's, it is carrying on the legacy to me of inclusion of, you know, you know, pull your boots on, pull down your hat and just get to the work. Cause that's, that's really what it is. And that was the, the ethos of, of these two icons. And, and yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's bringing a contemporary. It's bringing the the western almost to a contemporary modern audience because I've I, I like film. I've gone back to watch western films anyway since Demando's come out, and man, you can see the nods. Like you say, whether it's in uh, whether it's something like Josie Wales, a Clint film, or yeah. one of your grandfathers, you can see where they have pulled inspiration from. And um, yeah, if it, it opens the the doors to that genre for a whole new uh, wave of people, then great you know some of the best films ever made have been from those old 50s 60s john ford westerns and more so um well you've appeared in the majority of the mandalorian now you are as we say you are din Djarin, um yep. underneath that suit but we've you've mentioned obviously luke skywalker uh, people may have heard of him but yeah. what was your favorite sequence to work on from episode one to right to the end of season two what was the kind of one sequence where you thought this is unreal or, or you got the most out of I, you know, I was talking to somebody uh, about this last night. My daughter was filming here as a location. She's seen design and she just graduated school. They just told them, just work, you know, whatever you do, just work. And they did. They they filming something. And I was talking to one of the uh, actors in the short. And I said, you know, it's funny. Like, is there one, I guess, for different little things yes a hundred percent there is like one moment for oh wow i the the amount of emotion that came out of me in that moment like that was really amazing or you know like physically uh this was really cool to do constantly or this set was unreal to walk onto. like there's these there's a bunch of different moments um and just to look at one is really tough i'll tell you um, you know, I, uh, I ran into some physical hardship right before season two started. I, I had spent 42 days in a hospital, had four surgeries, had part of an intestine removed, and I was down around 150 pounds. Um, 
and I was in a hurry to get back on set because uh, Timothy Oliphant was doing Cobb Vanth. And I, I just love his work. And so I wanted to work with him. It was a really, really important thing for me. Um, mind you, like, I, it was 42 days in a hospital. Thank God it was before COVID. Um, mm, but, it, yeah. you know, I was, I was so drugged up in there. Like, I couldn't mentally get with a lot of things. But once I got out, I kicked immediately any painkillers because they, they were, they, I think they're terrible. So anyway, so I, I get to set, I'm about 150 pounds, and I put on the suit, and it, you know, it weighs every bit of it 60 pounds to me, but I'm not going to say anything to anybody. And it's not, you know, somebody somebody commented, it's like toxic maxillary, uh, whatever. This was me overcoming at a moment. And so the Mandalorian for me was this bridge to <clears throat> getting back to being strong in my heart and in my soul. And, uh, it was go, I was going back and I was, I was working with Peyton. Um, and we were on the bridge and Moff Gideon's, you know, been captured, spoiler alert. Um, and, uh, there was this moment that I thought I'm okay. We're gonna, we're gonna get to the other side of this. I'm not gonna weigh 150 pounds for my whole life. And, uh, it, it was, it was a, a really cool moment for me inside the suit. Now, other moments meeting Carl Weathers. Oh, um, yes. You know, I'm, I was, I grew up with, you know, obviously New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, but also Rocky. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, probably- I don't want to limit, you know, Carl to that role. I know it's iconic. But I understand the idea of being pigeonholed. So, like, I, you know, I was like, I didn't want to say certain things because, but I, I think I spent the first day mostly staring at him during scenes when I was supposed to be talking. And he, you know, he was so gracious. He was like, you know, any chance you could respond to me a little sooner here or there? I was like, I'm sorry. And then finally, <laughs> I, and I don't get starstruck. I grew up, you know, around, you know, the president, you know, you know, like all these different than like people who are, you know, of high status. And then mm-hmm. you meet your heroes and sometimes you wish you never had, but this is not one of those instances. I looked at him and I said, I am so sorry. I have to be honest with you. I am awestruck. You wow. are yes. for me a hero and to watch you work and watch your professionalism, blah, blah, blah. And then he, you know, I just, I was so impressed and, and he was, he really became a mentor for me. He seems very humble. Yeah. He, you know what he is? He is humble and he's not going to tell you anything unless, you know, if he thinks you need to hear it, I've seen him do it, but he doesn't tell you things for his ego. (laughs) Tells you things so you can succeed. And that is a true mentor. So he not only became, he would not only was a hero and somebody who I wanted to be like when I grew up, um, and still want to be like when I grow up, uh, he was just a really cool guy who, you know, who, who helped me understand what my role was and how I could fulfill it and gave me confidence. And uh, I'll always treasure that. He was, he was, he called me when I was in the hospital. He's one of the few and it was unbelievable. So yeah, I mean, 
to me, you know, you you watch those Fast and Furious movies, and you know the the feeling and the idea of family first. That's what this set was every day. So walking that's into awesome. a new a new uh, design uh, by you know Andrew and Doug Chang and Rebecca and and Amanda and all these people, all the creators, physical creators, and then like you know the Johnny Johnny Mac, who's you know Greens and. Jeff and all these Corey, like all these guys there, it's really important. You know, I know them because they make me look great so that all I have to worry about is what I have to do. And I have to, you know, connect with these other people. And so, you know, and I get in a land speeder or I get in my ship in star Wars. Are you kidding me? Oh, like, my this like, like this is crazy. I get to put, you know, the kid down behind me on his jump seat oh. while I'm flying. So yeah, it's that's it's, so it's so surreal to hear this. It's surreal to Brendan. be there. Don't I mean it never gets old unless you're a jaded person, I guess. You know who who walked into this as a job. It never gets old. It's wow. always inspiring. Wow. I mean, you, you're, you're saying about these scenes, you know, where you're picking up a moving little baby, Grogu and whatnot. And it's just, it's, it's so hard to imagine, right? Because as the viewer, it's so seamless. This production, Mando is so seamless. I mean, how, how weird was it, Brendan, hearing like Pedro's voice over you, over yourself, over your own body movement, because I'm sure, I mean, you were there, you know, which scenes are yours and you know, which ones are Pedro's and, yeah. you know, other people's, but like, how, how unusual is that? You know, it's, uh, it takes a minute and then <laughs> you, and then you get used to, like, for me, it was like, oh no, I don't know. And I'm sure he was physically looking at certain things I did going, uh, why, you know what I mean? But, you find this kind of way to sew this amazing quilt, you know, together. And then you watch it just unfold. And you're like, wow, we did a team thing. You know, I grew up playing team sports. Uh, I love the beautiful game of football. Um, you know, like these kind of things. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Which, which football are you talking about? Cause we're talking one, about there's only one football. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Oh, right. Yeah, one yeah, team yeah. in North London as well, according to you. It's. It is. Yes. It's. It is. You know. You know. Th- where's the. Where's the derby? You know what I mean? Like. That's <laughs> yeah, it. yeah. Exactly. That's one football. Now I grew up with a different one, but I just don't. The word now that I've expanded my brain and my horizon, the word doesn't fit the <laughs> thing. Like it's more like a. Australian rules or rugby, you know what I mean? Like it would be. Hey, you know your sport, didn't you, mate? You know. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I, I did. You know, I, I attempted to uh, play rugby in college for five seconds, and then the guy came over, and I was like, "That's your skull. I can see the bone in your forehead." <laughs> and he's like, "Nah, just tape it, and I got to go back." And no, then no. I was like, "Yeah, no." And then the junior All Blacks played my cousin Pat Munoz. Uh, who was at St. Mary's playing on the rugby team, they played each other. And I think like three guys, you know, they were taking it easy. And I think three guys on the St. Mary's team had broken femurs. I was like, yeah, no, stupidest sport in the history of man. 
So, but yeah, so I like, but the thing is, I love the idea of overcoming the obstacle in front of you. And that comes from team sports. How do we do it together? And then to take a role, which is usually very individual. And then to, to share it, first of all, which is very uh, antithetical to the idea of, you know, I created a character and then somebody else was talking. And then this other guy who like Latif, you know, who, can literally one handed pull himself up and throw a punch on, you know, while his feet aren't touching the ground. You're like, dude, you're unbelievable. I literally, I will never, cause he's always like, no, don't say anything. I'm like, I will never ever stop saying anything because you constantly impress me. It's unbelievable. I don't even understand how you do this. So, you know, it's, it's just, it's just really cool. So to sit there and watch it and then hear it, hear a different voice, um, first of all, I'm generally speaking, I'm sitting here watching it saying the lines, you know, mm-hmm. my kids yeah. are like, shut up, dad. So I, have to, you know, say it in my head and I watch it and, you know, most of the time I, w- I walk in and I just watch cause I'm, I want the story and I want to see how it mm-hmm. unfolds. Um, and then other times I, I walk in and I, I watch and I go, uh, I wouldn't have chosen that take or something. Um, but it, it's just, it's really, for me, the whole process is so beautiful. You know, I'll tell you, I, and I, I, I love, this was a moment of trust. Like, you know, you have different directors for different episodes. And, you know, uh, Filoni uh, and his Jedi episode in the second mm-hmm. season. Um, the Western everything in that. Yeah. Oh, so my wondering. word. That episode. That episode. Yeah. Right? And you're just, and he introduces one of the, greatest characters in Ahsoka and, and uh, you know, I get to have a showdown with Johnny Ringo. Yes. You know, like you can't, I couldn't have, I couldn't have said it. I couldn't have scripted this, you know, these, these moments. So yeah, there, you know, to go back to your previous point, (laughs) yeah, moments where you're like, Oh, I'm going to draw down with Johnny Ringo. You know, and, and here we go. And, you know, and then there's, you know, like John uh, and his episode uh, and you're walking in and you're looking at this graffiti and it's, Mm. you know, I'm walking in stuff that matters. You know what I mean? Like you're just, I'm walking in and he wants this nice, same kind of stroll as when I was on the ice planet, walking in and going into the bar and it's just, it's epic. And, you know, so I just lose myself in it. And, uh, and then you, you have like Rick Famuia and he's, you know, he's punished, uh, Latif by having him pulled with a, what they call a ratchet in the mud. And then there's me who's getting mud thrown on him and then jumping and doing flatbacks, you know, where they have to throw this mud on you and you're freezing and you just want the day to end. Uh, and you look at him and he's like, I want you to get on one knee pull your vibro blade and just kind of hold it out in front of you as this mud horns coming at you. And I literally looked at him and I was like, this is, this is going to be terrible. This is so melodramatic. Well, and he looks at me and he's like, he is the most like cool customer you've ever seen. Like he's just cool. Like, I don't know how else to describe Rick other than just cool. And, yeah. uh, and he takes in everything you say. He never says no to you. He's like, okay, add this. Like he watches you do this. So, you know, 
there's this moment. He goes, trust me, this is going to be a beautiful moment. And that moment for me, not just as, you know, like the story was told, but for me as an actor, trusting somebody else's vision in the moment when I disagreed with it was so cool to see its fruition. And, and, and I went, Oh my God, you're right. This is epic. This one moment. And then, you know, the child, you know, does his little deal. And then eventually it becomes my signet. It's just like a, just really, 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 really cool. Damn. Honestly, just hearing this, I'm sitting here smiling, remembering the scenes and obviously how it leans to uh, the Mudhorn becoming the signet and you becoming a clan of two. And yeah. listen, Brendan, this is what I've got to ask you. You're, you're great in the suit. Really good. Props to you. Re- brilliant. Now, on to the important stuff. Baby. Yeah. Grogu. <laughs> what was it like to work with Baby? Because obviously little Grogu's gone on to become a thing that sort of transcends life and reality. People love baby Yoda and we know the effort that went into bringing him to life. Um, Cause for the most part, you know, but little baby is, is on set there with you. What was it like for you? Cause again, I know, I know we hark back to you and me, especially sound like a broken record. You're, you're the one doing, you are interacting with Grogu when you're on set. How, how was that? You know, cause obviously certainly the second season, you know that Grogu fever's taken over, but what was it like working with this animatronic that looked so lifelike and then obviously seeing what he's become and your character's relationship with Grogu? I mean, what was it like, you know, going on set working with, you know, a an animatronic and, you know, both of you two getting the best out of each other, if I could say so? Well, you know what? I'll tell you what, it, it, it was easy in a sense. And it's it, the reason why it was easy is because, the guys at Legacy, you know, uh, John over there and, and, and really the guys that worked with Daily, which is, you know, like, well, guys and girls, I should say. But, mm-hmm. you know, between Mike Benzel and, and, and Trevor Hensley and, and, and Tamara Carlson and then Don Dinger, like those four first season, they were the Legacy crew. They were the people that uh, brought, you know, for me, it was, you know, Baby Yoda first mm-hmm. season. Um, I knew nothing about what his name was going to be or anything. So <laughs> for me, it was, you know, Baby Yoda, and we'd make jokes. And because I had such amazing, they were just amazing people, you know, between Trevor and, and Mike and Don and Tam, um, like it, it was unbelievable. And, and so fortunate for me to be able to know them as people. So when, you know, uh, uh, baby Yoda was, was being used. It was an extension of them and their humanity for me. Mm-hmm. And so the connection to it wasn't to an animatronic, although you wouldn't know it was an animatronic when you were uh, working with it because they were so seamless as creators that it, it was unbelievable watching, you know, him walk when I go into the, into the bar and, and meet Cardoon for the first time. You know, these kind of things are are so overlooked, but you got a guy who's, you know, six foot three walking behind a a two foot tall baby Yoda and he's just so good. And they were so good that I didn't think about, you know, you know, Mike trying to fit in the razor crest laying down on the ground, you know, trying to, you know, (laughs) grab the uh, knob from me so we could have this what eventually became this incredible kind of piece of, of emotion. 
connection to the audience, to, to Baby Yoda and, and Mando, like this thing. And because they're so good and they are so thoughtful in their creations, you know, they created the suit that mm-hmm. I wear to, you know, Baby Yoda. And you're just, you're blown away because when professional word comes out, these guys are the epitome of everything. So it was seamless. Did I think that Baby Yoda was going to be much? No. No, I did not. Everyone else obviously understood what it was going to become, but I didn't think, I thought, ah, whatever, he's a, you know, a prop in the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mando. And then, you you know, you go and watch the show and you knew <laughs> after the you know first time I meet him, I was like, oh, crap, this is the Baby Yoda show. Yes, it is just so good, isn't it? <laughs> Man, I mean, it's so, it's so, honestly, I know I've already said this, but it's so weird hearing these stories and that, Brendan, you're, you're there, you're in the thick of it. You oh, know, yeah. And you're, you're making, you and all of the team around you, and I love your attitude towards this like team spirit, but all of you guys, you're making TV history. Yeah. You really, you really, really are. And just hearing these like little, a- little anecdotes and stories, it just honestly it brings so much joy to my heart, man. And, and, oh. and to the people listening, it, it, it really will. Well, so, I mean, think about like, like at no point in, in Star Wars, you know, George Lucas gets the credit and he deserves the credit, but at no point, it, it never felt like he was pulling the blanket over mm-hmm. from you, you know, like where you're like it, it, from new hope on, like I never felt like he, he sat at the, you know, uh, you know, prosecutor's table and was banging his hand against it, demanding attention. It, yeah. He, he cared about the storytelling and, and yeah. And that's, you know, if he, if he can do it, I better do it. I have, I have a responsibility to what he allowed me to grow up with and live with and, 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 learn from you know how do you tell a story that's enjoyable yet still teaches you something that's what we're doing right now and it's it definitely is that there's there's no doubt and mandalorian is doing that and i wonder if the book of boba fett is gonna do that and I, i really do hope that it does and you know oh interesting segue uh brendan <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm sure you know what's coming are you at all involved in the book of boba fett oh am i no yeah God. i mean that's that's Rob. i mean like i look i went and hung out with robert because um he became a very uh, just a great kind of uh i don't know um what do you call it like he just became like a man like a creative mentor to me, like, and, and he challenged me to be better as a father creatively. And so like, he would text me things and, uh, and this is all just from working with each other in season two. And he was just, uh, I, I can't tell you what, like a just down to earth, another guy who just loves to tell a story and mm-hmm. whatever you put in front of him, obstacle wise, he just going to tell it. And so, uh, I do. I, I was fortunate enough to be around him while he was, you know, out there. Uh, so I do know stuff, but I won't tell you anything. But I'll tell you right. <laughs> you know, I when I I texted him after his episode premiered, and I went, you know, hey, this is coming not from 
Mando, not from anything but a fan of Boba Fett and of Star Wars. I said, Robert, man, you, I don't know how you pulled it off, but you went beyond my expectation and what I built up about it. And you are a genius. And I, I love you for what you did. And, you know, he's, he's not, he doesn't need that kind of adulation. So his, his response was, uh, I said, you, you know, you know, you, your Boba Fett identity that that is so clear is so separate from Mando's identity and it's beautiful what you did. And he said, you know, I just thought, and I'm, I'm going to quote him all killer, no filler. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I think what you're, what we as an audience, I think are going to get from uh, the book of Boba Fett, you know, a lot more of that kind of feel to it where you're, he gets even grittier than, than Mando did. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, he doesn't have the choice because he really was a, a a different kind of character. Yeah. Well, Robert Rodriguez, if you're going to get anyone to tell a gritty character-based story, Rodriguez is a... I mean, his first film, he made for seven grand, El Mariachi, went on to do yeah. the Mexico trilogy, and look where he is now. He's a man who knows how to wring every single bit of storytelling out. I'm sure the book of Boba Fett has got a bigger budget than... El Mariachi did, of course. But um, so that's the book of Boba Fett. We uh, Pedro came out recently. Pedro Pascal, you may have heard of him. He said um, oh, on the Variety chat with you and McGregor that they haven't started filming uh, Mando season three yet. And I think that came as I think it came as a surprise to a few people. And a few people thought, "Oh no, Mando's in trouble." When you know, between us three, it, it ain't. But you know, is there anything you could, any light you can shed on you know season three? You know, when, when's it going to start? Um, uh, filming and you know do you feel like do you know obviously you can't tell us what happens but do you, do you think it's going to be bigger more story driven where do you think it's going to go well i mean i think we've i think we've uh, introduced the world which uh mando exists now mm-hmm. uh, not that yeah. there aren't going to be new things i'm sure but i think we've established the planet that we live within, you know, not just one, but I just mean like, or or our solar system, I guess would be better. So in that, I think there's going to be a lot less introductions and a lot more, uh, you know, going back towards the first season of, you know, delving deeper into the character Mm -hmm. and things like that. I, I, I think now have I read one script? No. Have I heard some things? Sure. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing, but I can, I can tell you this. Um, if anybody's going to be able to continue telling a story, it's, it's John, you know, and, and keep raising the stakes. It's John. I, I, I couldn't be happier to see somebody, you know, stepping in because, you know, he didn't come in, you know, the great thing about John and in Hollywood, you run into egos all the time. But the great thing about John is wherever his ego lies, it doesn't overwhelm the, his ability to surround himself mm-hmm. with people, present company excluded with people who are absolutely at the pinnacle of what they do. You know, he didn't hesitate to go to Dave Filoni and learn. Yeah. And, and their relationship is so cool to see. It's like, you know, brothers and they're, they're trying to, 
you know, Dave's trying to find his way in live action and John's trying to find his way inside, you know, this really, you know, Star Wars is the ideal uh, storytelling for us, our our generation, John, Mm -hmm. Dave. Um, So, you know, it's daunting if, if you're not willing to learn. And that's the, like, if John teaches anything, it's teach me. And if the top guy's willing to learn, then everyone else below him should be as well. And he Absolutely. doesn't care who he learns from. He really doesn't. He's, he's, I, I said to him at the end of season uh, two, I said, you know, I, I don't come up and talk to you a lot. I hope you don't think I'm being arrogant. I, I just see so many people at your, you know, coattails that I just, I figure the best thing I can do to you is leave you alone. And mm-hmm. you can see, you know, like he got it, you know, because I got a little nervous. I was like, I hope he doesn't think I'm some arrogant jerk who doesn't come up. You know, I just let him tell his story. And when he comes and he has something to offer me, I let him offer it, you know, like, because mm-hmm. he's, he's never steered me wrong. Clearly you guys like the show. I like the show, you know, so yeah. it's, it's very cool. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I can't wait till season three starts. I think it's going to be absolutely, um, it's, it's always exciting. I mean, I think you guys would get, like you walk onto that set. There's, I don't care. It's new every time. There's something yeah. new. I got in a land speeder. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget <laughs> it. I'm sitting next to Horatio Signs. And yeah. I'm in a freaking land. That's all I ever wanted was a land <laughs> My brother dude, got that. We'd, we'd love to come on set. We would be like kids on that set, just like you, dude. Like, really? Like, and then it's, that's why I, I always get set a couple hours early. So I can walk my path and mm-hmm. understand what I'm, what what's going on, and and watch watch them build it, um, do the last touches and those kind of things. But I, I need to know what I'm walking into um, because you know they present such an, a rich environment that as far as acting goes, I just have to do my job. I have to connect to the people in the scene or to the moment that that's laid out in front of me if there's nobody there, and 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 carry that. And they make it so simple for me. Um, there's no guy running around with a stick and a tennis ball. Like I get to walk into hmm. the volume and see these images projected that are, you know, normally most people would either have a green screen, a blue screen or a, or a stick with a ball. I get to see them. I don't have yeah. to take myself out of it. So the imagination of it gets to, you know, evolve. And so, yeah. uh, it, like, it's just nuts. I like, I'll never, I'll, the day I get bored is the day I quit. Wow. Wow. It's so lovely hearing all of this, man. Even the little reference to the tennis ball. We all love the CGI yeah. tennis <laughs> <Yeah>. ball reference. <laughs> we love it. We all love it. And honestly, Brendan, just like selfishly, it's it's been so amazing speaking to you, especially because my granddad was such a huge Cowboys fan, right? Mm-hmm. He loved Westerns and he loved your grandfather um he adored him he's no longer with us uh, my grandfather but it, I, I, this week i've been talking to my nan right and i've been saying yeah. to her mate I, I i really wish he was around to see like the, the my my granddad to see his grandson talking to john wayne's grandson about huh? star wars like yeah and that's and that's the power of the internet. But also, you know, I'm, I, I just want to reiterate: I'm just so grateful for you coming on and 
telling us these tales, telling us these stories, because it's so interesting, mate. And I mean it when you guys say, you know, you, you mentioned earlier, you know, you must be doing something right because, you know, you like the show. No, no, no. We don't like the show. We love this show. It is something else. It is special. It is special, right, Matty Boy? Yeah. It is. I, I, and you're a big part of that, Brendan. Like I said, you don't, you don't, just because you don't show your face and that you are the physicality and the, you look at a still image of the Mando, that's the Mandalorian, the man behind that, that's you. And what you have brought to that role is what is so intrinsic to the success, of course, alongside Pedro and everybody else within the team that helps you as a character uh, grow and develop and evolve. But, do you know what I mean? I mean, you you look at the man behind the suit. We we know who that is behind the suit. And hearing these stories has been um, has been has been something else. And uh, I've got to ask you just quickly: Did you know it was Luke Skywalker in that last scene? Yeah. Yo, you did. Yeah, I did. I I <laughs> knew, and and I think they told me specifically because when we when that scene was being filmed was when I had just come out of the hospital. So I think they told me that. Um, as kind of like a buoy, you know, because yep. oh. he knew that it would mean the world to me because that was, you know, that was Luke. You know, like for me, Han Solo was my guy, but Luke, you know, Luke was, was Luke everybody's, everybody's, you know what? It was Luke to me will always represent that transition from, uh, I don't know, hopeful na- naivete, mm-hmm. uh, to uh, adulthood, you know, because yeah. he, yeah. he, he's the ideas of everything being black and white and, and, and uh, no gray gets challenged for him. And, and, and that's what Luke was. And I didn't see it when I was a kid. Cause I just wanted to be the swashbuckler, you know, with the, with Chewie by his side, flying the, the Falcon. Um, and which is kind of what I got to be, you know, with Mando, yeah. but you know, like, as I got older, I realized who Luke was. And then as I had kids, I realized exactly who Luke was and, and yep. what my responsibility was. So to, to know that he was coming in at a time when I was probably at, you know, I was on reserve tank at my gas tank. Uh, it really did help fill it up and, and, and buoy me. That's amazing. That's amazing to hear, mate. Yeah. yeah. You no, know, I mean, look, I, it's cool what I do and I, and I'm, I'm proud of what I do. And I, I hope to God that people keep liking what I do. Um, but I know that, uh, in order for me to do what I do, it took a village and, you know, my, it starts with my wife, Sarah, who, you know, teaches, she's, she's, she's always taught me and I've learned from her always. And she, and she, she runs my lines with me. She tells me how oh, that looks really mm. stupid. Don't do that. And, um, <laughs> like, but she does it in a way, like I say it like that. She never would say it like that. She's, she knows how to direct me in a way that I can walk on set. So John can just feel free. And that's, you know, she's a, an amazing actress in her own right. And then on top of it, she's there to support me. And then my kids support me, um, by keeping me humble and making sure <laughs> that they know that I'm just dad and I'm dumb. Yeah. Um, kids do. Uh, good at that. I have, well, you're not. I teach, I want you guys to know that for 17, so uh, let's talk about football for like two minutes. This is the deal. Um, <laughs> Here we go. I had my first daughter who is now 22 and uh, I, I had a, I was working as a, a bartender 
and the manager, my manager, Neil Johnson was um, from Sheffield. And he said to me, Oh, you had a daughter. I was like, yeah, he goes, you better learn footy mate. And I was like, what the <laughs> hell did you just say to me? I said, I think we can take penicillin and get rid of that. And he's like, no, I'm talking about what you would call soccer. Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you better choose a team because if you're going to work with me, we're going to, and I'm like, I'm not watching soccer. These guys are running around like somebody, you know, some, uh, assassin, uh, you know, shot up for 200 Is yards, it? blah, blah. And he's like, just watch the game because you'll get beyond it pretty quick. And I'm like, that's like saying, um, cancer's not bad as long as you, you know, you throw up a little chemo, but you'll be fine. No, <laughs> it's not. I think that sounds terrible, but he was right and I was wrong. And I, that year that I chose a team, hmm. I chose Arsenal. I have no idea. There was a cannon. So I was like, you're <laughs> named after weapon. Yeah. And yeah, who yeah. knew that I was going to be Mando eventually? And weapons are a part of my religion. Like, I, oh. you know, things come together. Honestly, this is why I chose Arsenal. So I choose them. And what do you think happens that season? Uh, they, they're going to win something. What, what do you think? Like, they didn't just was win. It, it was the Invincible oh, season, yes, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. It was yeah. It made him want to like it. It was the greatest thing for me to like it because I was able to rub it in his face every week. And, and I was like, Oh, this is amazing. And Vanger's his approach was so beautiful for me as far as the flow. And the, it was, yeah. like, like, you know, and I don't know, I did at that point, I really didn't know the history or anything like that. Like, so to watch that. So then, you know, he was preparing me of having a daughter because he, he had he had rightfully thought get her get her in a team sport, and then I realized that my own thought process was I want my daughter to be you know daughter or daughters how whatever I ended up having three I wanted them not to grow up individualizing themselves comparing mm -hmm. themselves to other women so how do you do that because you know we're media wise we're driven towards this. Uh, for women, it's always to compare and then cattiness, yep. all that stuff. Anyways, team sports. Why do guys? Yeah. Why, why does it work? Why are guys so easily brought together? It's through sports, right? It's not through tennis because it's individual, and there's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with tennis. There's, it's just not the effect I want. So, how do you work as a team? Well, that's how. And so then, you know. I know nothing and I go out and now I've been coaching it for over 17 years. Um, <laughs> wow. and yeah. I'm looking for like leads or maybe uh, we'll get uh, Aston Villa, somebody, maybe one of the Scottish teams, uh, the Rangers, <laughs> you know, like maybe I can get out there and they'll hire me and I'll wear the suit. If that's what'll, <laughs> you know, get Lasso. My, well, you've said it now. You've said it now, Brendan, you've said oh, Mandalorian so when can be the manager. And yes. we've already said before the uh, before we start recording, you know, when you eventually do uh, hop over to the UK, you know, we're gonna we can chat further all about this oh, yeah. over a pint, you know. Yes, oh, I owe you a pint. I owe you a pint. I, so I, look, I owe you guys for watching the show because I don't have no, a no. job without you. But I will say that <laughs> it was a, it was an Eng a crazy Englishman who got me into the into football and um, and eventually as a as a gunner and and the beautiful most beautiful sport on earth and the funny <laughs> thing is is here in the states when i when i watch i uh i'm a i watch the 
women's team, obviously, because I yeah. have daughters and I want them to be able to relate to it. And I watch this beautiful game that they play. Uh, mm. And it's it's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, mate. Yeah. Mate. Is, mate. The women's team over there is something else. And um, I want to echo, look, I want to be able to say, look, I, see what, what did you do this weekend? Oh, I bought the Mandalorian a pint. So uh, yep. that's the way it's going to go down, unfortunately. We, yeah. we, hey, I'm good. We'll go get some, uh, what is it? We'll get some uh, uh, chips. Yes, and, it. Uh, <laughs> yes. Chips and cheesy chips. Some chips, it. yeah. No, Maybe no, I, we, I, we also we also really rave about curry as yeah. well. Like oh, British yes. people, British people in general, but like especially point. on our podcast. So maybe oh, we can all go for a cheeky uh, curry and a pint all together. Yes, right. no, no, I would love that, and I would like to have um, my tit lasso moment. Yes, because <laughs> yes, he had that. Just don't order it too spicy, mate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's God, it. I love it. Bre- Brendan, thank you so much for taking yes. the time to come and speak to us, mate. It has been amazing, and this is this is going to be one of the most memorable podcasts I think oh, we've man. we've ever done here on Sessions. Thank you so much, Brendan. Well, I appreciate Wayne. it, guys. I really, really, really do. You have no idea. I know you're excited and hearing the stories behind, but I just I love um, hearing that the stories we tell, and I mean we, not me. Um, mm-hmm are effective and that, that they, they reach across all kinds of things. So thank you so much for having me next time. I'll try not to talk so much and we'll just have a good time. <laughs> no, man, your words have kept us going, mate. And uh, yeah. I suppose the only way I can sign off is, yeah, thank you so much for coming on mate. And uh, this is the way. This is the way. Hi, this is Alex Damon from Star Wars Explained, and you're listening to Star Wars Sessions, probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. Brendan has spoken. What a man, what a curry-loving, beer-swilling, football-digging Mandalorian that dude is. What a king. He really he he really is the the big deal of uh <laughs> A cheeky mandos for the lads. I was trying to say, I was trying to come up with the what is the word, but like I'm too tired, man. It's been an exhausting day, but it's been like it's been so good, so good. Yeah, yeah. the Mandalorian on the same episode as the Mandalorian. Yeah, but he really is the definition. I should have just said that. Why didn't I say that? He's the definition of. Hashtag cheeky Mando for the lads. Yes, he is a proper lad. So, Brendan, mate, thank you so much for coming on to the show to talk to to us too and to entertain our listeners. We certainly hope you enjoyed uh, hearing all of the stories from Brendan of his personal ones, his acting career, and, of course, from a galaxy far, far away. But what a chat. Sounds like there's a little saloon over there. I can hear the whistle. Oh, it's a Mateboy love, Boy loves a whistle anyway. I do. We I established that, didn't we? I love a little whistle and I like annoying people with a whistle. <laughs> so I'm also going to wet my whistle now. Have a couple of Kef beers in the Bantina, shall we? Oh, let's do it. Yes, right. Each week, for those new to the show, or old, we sit down with you guys, the greatest listeners here in the galaxy. And as mentioned, we have those Kef beers with you lot. And we get your thoughts on our main discussion. But this week... In honour of the Mandalorian, we wanted to know what your favourite Din Jarin moment was. And as usual, we had a load of quality responses. Yes, we had some really cheeky responses all across social media, Matty Boy. And to kick us off is Dimsky, the Belgian <laughs> Bond, who said 
His favourite was, I can bring you in warm, or I can bring you in cold. Oh, yes. yes. The badass gunslinger moment. Dimsky, I mean, come on. Come on. Couldn't Go agree on. more, mate. Absolute filth. Uh, Kingdom of Weird said, activating the jetpack when that little metal jaw alien is stealing <laughs> on Tatooine and watching him fall to the floor. Splat. <laughs> oh, my days. Yes, we love it, Kingdom. You're spot on. Uh, big boy, Luke Summerfield, the King of Wales, said, for me, there's lots, but it has to be flying with the windows down. As a dad... It means so much when the little things make the little ones happy. Oh, my days. That's so sweet. I love it, Lukey boy. Love it. Yeah, nice one. Dimsky can make a good Mandalorian, but we wouldn't want the helmet on that beautiful face. So, um, Mech Bidness <laughs> came to us and said, watching him give Grogu to Luke right now. All the feels. All the feels. I hear that every time I think about that. It's... It's that moment. Uh, Luke Skywalker was like life affirmingly good. But what got me, what made it so special was Grogu and Mando at the end there. Um, Benj, yeah. aka Baz Vagan, local boy, local boy, huh? Well, came and sent this voice message for us. Let's hear it. Hi, my name is Benji. My favourite Din Jarman moment is that sad goodbye with Grogu, where he removes his helmet so Grogu can see and touch his face. It shows Din's progression as a character, and that while he has cold exterior, he has a soft centre as well. Yeah, Benj, mate. Benj, you, Mech Bidness, me, probably a lot of other people. Grogu, Mando mm. at the end, the face touch. Oh, I can feel the tears. That was their favourite Din Jarin moment. So thank you for that, Benj, mate. It just adds to what's already such a good episode and good yeah. moment, doesn't it? Because for me personally, I was already so like emotional for seeing Luke, like being such a little like, absolute hero. Yeah, 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 hero. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm quoting you there, mate, boy. I don't yeah, know if yeah. you remember that. Um, oh, I don't Do you remember know. that? No. You, there was a moment where you were like struggling to find a name for me, and you went, "Yeah, yeah." Yeah, hero. I'll have to. I'll have to try and track. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that. I don't remember that. You don't remember it. No, I'll have to try and track it down. Cool. It's so like, many nice things. It's like you were coming up with like between a really like uh, offensive word or something like legend or or tank or maybe like we call each other a lot of these names, don't we? Like, oh, you tank it's or you legend or yeah, your your mug. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah but anyway um yeah man that is such a lovely moment such a lovely moment uh to finish us off are these guys luke tobias beautiful artist mm. uh, and his work is great too. good too uh, yeah oh, oh uh coming home uh, any, anyway lukey boy says anytime he the mandalorian is on screen uh nor how queller said anytime he is on screen either with or without the helmet and finally sammy cudmore all the way from canada said <laughs> yes he's not from canada he's from florida but it's an inside joke we, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we love it we love it sammy uh, loves it sammy, sammy loves it as well Sammy really does love it. He's he is he is a Mando boy, a really big Mando boy. 
I was just seeing like apparently Avril Lavigne's like got TikTok now, so I wanted to just like squeeze that in. Apparently, yeah. that's a big deal. But Avril Lavigne did a TikTok with with Tony Hawk. Uh, yeah, that's it. Recently, that's right. So, um, yeah, she is Canadian, however. So unlike Sammy, ah, oh, see, it all rhymes. It all rhymes. Yeah, <laughs> inside <laughs> jokes end up being a wonderful little segue. So, Sammy, yeah. the uh, the Floridian beefcake. Yes, I think you win. You win the internet there. Just yeah, it was the best in jar moment. Yep, exactly, mate. So thank you everybody for sending in your uh, answers to that and for the voice messages. For as you know, if we don't get around to putting you on this show, please do continue to contribute on the socials, and we'll endeavour to get you on one of the future editions of the Bantina. For extra content, go to patreon.com forward slash Star Wars Sessions. You know it's going to be so good. Best podcast. Best podcast. Yes, that is right. Is the spiciest part of the Bantina, or indeed the show, really. It's the Patreon questions part of the show. Man, oh, mate, boy, I can't wait to get answering these, man. We got some spicy <laughs> ones this week, didn't we, mate? As usual. As usual, it's Vindaloo level. Vindaloo. Right, Eve Evangel, all the way from, uh, I don't know where he is at the moment. I think he's in Austria. He's somewhere on the planet. Eve is a busy boy. He's a busy boy. But he asked this. He says, hi, guys. Your speculations about characters appearing in Andor made me think. Bo Gadsen, who played young Jin Erso, is now 12 slash 13. Mm-hmm. With Saul Guerrero appearing, uh, Jin should be with him, according to canon. And the book Rebel Rising, and depending on the time frame, it would fit. Personally, I think it won't exceed a background Easter egg like Dryden in Season 7 of Clone Wars. But since they get in the band together, it would be cool. What are your opinions? Um, I'll be honest with you, Eve. This, this is a classic Eve question. Um... I, this is something I've never thought about. I've no. never thought about a, 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 a gin in Andor, um, but Matty Boy, I'm going to pass it over to you. What are you thinking about this crazy good question here yeah, for me? Little Jen. Um, little Jen. Oh, little Jen. Uh, listen to our Rogue One commentary to get that. I um, The first thing we ever put on our Patreon, <laughs> actually, I, um, I've i mentioned before, I was like, oh, Jen, they can't put Jen Erso in Andor. They don't shoot Horner in. Uh, because it would be silly, it would be gratuitous. But of course, I was in my head just like thinking Felicity Jones age, um, Gina. So not that I don't want to see more Felicity Jones, absolutely not. But you know, I just thought you can't put, you can't just have her in the background because it's just too silly. But this little Bo Gadsden, little Jen, with uh, 12, 13 year old with Saw Guerrero. Look, you had Dryden Voss in Clone Wars, you also had Kanan little Caleb Dune and Depa Bilaba at the, hol- at the hologram at the, t- um, at the council meeting as well in the Clone Wars season seven. Yeah. And, you know, people were like, oh, look, there's Kanan. But it was, you know, he's there for two seconds and that was it. You could have Saw Guerrero. You could have him going to his ship and you could see little Jin on the ship, you know, putting a head around the door or something like that. I don't know. But um, it again, again, it depends how far they want to go. There. Yeah, in, 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 can- in the book Rebel Rising, which is a great book by Beth Revis. Really enjoyed that tie-in novel to Rogue One. Um, she is with Saw, you know, Saw, as we saw in Rogue One. Um, my child, come. We have a long road ahead. 
He's, he has, he's in custody of her. He doesn't bore Gulletta, though. He is in custody of her until he leaves that her. That we know of. That we know of. Until he leaves her with, like, the spirit, the whatever. Um, leaves her unarmed in that in that locker, whatever. But, um, so he is with... She is with him. So if you seesaw, seesaw, there is a high chance that you will see Jin. Do we need to? No. Would it be a fun little Easter egg? Yeah. As long as it was, like you say, Eve a background easter egg like if, if she just like pops her head over around the cockpit or something like that it's like oh there's, there's that's the little Jin Erso from Rogue One that's a cool little tie-in oh I've read that book hey uh, therefore that ties up oh yeah she's with him the book said that you know he could probably work that out from the from that scene in Rogue One before the title screen mm. yeah it would would it make the show any better no would it be nice yeah why not it'd be cool yeah definitely man i think it would be so sick mm-hmm. um what <coughs> sorry my pathetic, so my pathetic <laughs> cough um it's not covid by the way i've been tested i feel like i have to tell that to everyone at the moment. Uh, it's, it's like the world we live in man i was texting you the other day it's almost anyway do you know what forget it forget it boring uh young jin <laughs> oh gadston young jin on my days yes i just i think it just makes so much sense to the continuity and it's one of those things that if you don't do it now in and or that well you know there's a chance that you'll never be able to do it as as the last gets older yeah right so as as the actress gets older so it's just things like that man i i, I think yeah it's a great idea because saw is obviously tied down he has that commitment and we're probably going to see maybe uh, a, a, a balancing act between his commitment as uh, Jin's guardian, maybe, and his commitment to the cause. So the rebellion, the rebellion, the dream, saving so, the dream. I I think it's a fantastic point. It's a great question, and on my days, yes, do I want to see it, Eve? Yes, hundred percent, mate. Well, there's a unanimous yes from Blalo Ren, and for me, it's a go for it if, if not fine but if, if so that would be pretty cool uh, Eve what do you think would you like to see that uh, everybody else listening would you like to see a little cameo from a, the young Jin Erso the actress Bo Gadsden who played her in Rogue One would you think that would be pretty cool or, or is that too much for you let us know um, let us know what you think about this question as well from Paul Buckle the King of Oxford he said with the way Mando Bad Batch and no doubt Andor will create new canon storylines for the future do you think the Kenobi series will have the same style or will it be a case of it draws a line in the sand, done and dusted? Like if it's the case of you, us, asked for it, we did it, now leave us alone. Hope not. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about it? So so Luke, is um, is the Kenobi show going to be a contained story in, in and of itself or is it going to start, is it going like, to open the doors for other stories to offshoot from it? Uh, I hope it's contained. Mm-hmm. I hope it's contained. And I think I've always said, I, I, I really hope this show is really intimate and really character and story driven, you know, just focusing around Obi-Wan and, and what's going on around his life at the moment. Cause there's lots going on around his life. Yeah. I think when you start introducing all these other things or these other aspects and all these other potential dangers, even, you know, you're, you're risking maybe the, the kind of gravitas of Obi-Wan's mission, which at the end of the day is protecting Luke Skywalker, mm-hmm. you know, the new hope, the next hope. Um, 
I really hope it's not a back. They don't do any backdoor pilots, man. And I'd, I'd, I'll be honest as well. I just, I, I, I don't even want like, like. I think I was hearing some people reading on Twitter. Some people saying like, "Oh yeah, will there be an Andor like uh, Obi Wan crossover or something?" Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Nah, I hope not." Mm-hmm. I, I really hope not. The only way I could see that happening is maybe if it's an Imperial, because that might make sense the most. But I don't know. We, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I don't want to sound just like a grumpy old man, but I just, I just want it to be contained. I want it to just be itself. What about you, May Boy? Same, mate. I think this story should be a contained story. It should be, he, you know, like, a, bit, a bit like what Paul said. In it, but when he said, you know, you, you wanted it, here it is. But we, but we did know that this was going to be a film before, so it's, it isn't a knee-jerk reaction for them to give us this. Right? It's been in the works, whether it's film or show. But I, yeah, like you say, I don't. I want them to introduce new characters, and I want new events to happen, like new moments where uh, it, it plays into the lore of Kenobi himself and this time yeah. period. But yeah, I, I do just want a self-contained story because, like I say, as we know, it all counts, but. I want it to be self-contained. I want it to be, here's Obi-Wan at the beginning. Here's how he ends. This is what happens with um, Anakin slash Darth Vader. Hayden's growing out his hair curls. Exciting. Um, but, and, <laughs> and these new characters coming in, I'd like them to just to exist in the world rather than their, let's introduce, uh, you know, Kumail Nanjani's character with the possibility of spinning them off somewhere else. And let, let the characters appear in other mediums and other shows. But, you know, I hope it doesn't become any kind of, um, backdoor pilots, you know, or, or to create potential storylines. If mm, one mm-hmm. of the characters turns up in another show because you know it's in the same time period, and it makes sense for them to do great. But you know, I don't want them to have yeah a, a, a X Y Z character comes in and then at the end of that, the fi- and the, in a season finale, you see them sort of look back at Obi Wan, scowl, and you know walk off to meet someone and start, and you could tell that they're planning something. And it's a cliffhanger. It's like. I don't want that. Just, just, just let this be like four or five episodes, whatever it is, of, of its own little story, like a film almost. You know, like it's just a, a, a standalone one-shot film, standalone one-shot mini-series. That works for me, mate. Have it be about you and McGregor coming back as Obi Wan, and of course Hayden Christensen coming back as well. But have it be about Obi Wan. I mean, I don't yeah. not about. Oh, let's set this up or this, this, and this. So. I'm with you on there, my friend. Again, if it if it does, I'll be I'll be eating up whatever they give. I imagine, but yeah, you know, I would just like to see something a bit more intimate, a bit more you know personal and low key for once. Yeah, yeah, definitely, mate. Definitely, I think that's a good answer, and it's a great question, Paul. I mean, what do you think, mate? You know, yeah. let us know as we say with all of these questions. Let us know your thoughts because it's nice to have different opinions and I, I do like to be swayed especially if yep. you know I'm, I'm just outright saying nah don't think that's a good idea you know it's crazy how even just on like our discord server how the opinions on there sways me a little bit i'm like oh, okay okay you know it's healthy it's healthy yeah. yeah and again we don't know the context of we don't even know what the story is yet there may be this this may happen there may be an offshoot somewhere and we both might come back in a year or a year 18 months time and be like do you remember when Paul asked that question? We were like, nah, hope it doesn't happen. I really, I'm really glad it hasn't right, or something like right. that. We don't know that. So, right. um, yeah, let us know what you, you all thought about that because I think it's an interesting question because I think Mando obviously has with uh, Boba Fett. Bad Batch probably will and Andor, I assume, will as well. So, But Kenobi seems to be its own kind of little thing and I hope it stays like that. But um, Well, that was our Patreon questions and usually we'd end the show with a Star Wars Sessions game. But this week, 
we uh wanted to be uh fair to our guests we wanted to give brendan as much time as possible uh on the mic give him the floor uh so we're going to bypass the game this week and we hope you agree that uh, having brendan on and the, and the filth and spice that he was dropping more than makes up for it but uh we don't mind that at all do we mate no, not at all, mate. The more time, the merrier, especially with uh, Mr. Wayne. Honestly, this this show has been so surreal, mate. It's been <laughs> such a good episode. Really, you really f- has. So uh, thanks fake. again to Brendan for taking the time to come in and, you know, chat to us. Yep. So 120 episodes in. Brendan, you've graced us as we enter the new 10s. We're going into 121 up to the 130s. We'll be at 150 before we know it. Brendan, you'll be coming back on the show we loved hearing from you. However, that is that for this episode of Star Wars Sessions. But the fun doesn't end there. No one's ever really gone. Where can the world find us, Master Blywalker? They can find us at starwarsessions.co.uk. You can search for us on social media and we will be there. Uh, Instagram, TikTok. We mentioned TikTok earlier. Uh, Facebook. All of, all of that jazz will we'll be there. Uh, if you fancy appearing on the show, send us a voice note. We love voice notes. Mm-hmm. Or if you just fancy sending us a message, we love reading messages too. Uh, send them or email them over to us at hello there at starwarsessions.co.uk. Yes, please. We're on Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Podcasts. If you are in the galaxy that you can find a podcast, you will find us there. And if you love our show, please consider leaving us a good review on your podcast provider of choice and head on mm. over to podchaser.com. CIMDB for podcasts is awesome. We're there. So drop us a review if you have a spare minute or so. Really, five stars makes all the difference, helps us grow, and it means we get to hear from you guys even more throughout the week, which is what we are here for. And please tell your Star Wars friends about us. Tell your mum, tell your dad, tell your cats. Tell Robert Rodriguez. Tell your Ewok. Tell your cousin. The more the merrier. Uh, the castle spicier. Come on. That's it. Tell Brendan Wayne's curry addiction that this is the podcast you're looking for. So, until next time from me, see ya. And from Luke. May the force be with you always. Luke. <laughs> Random wine. <laughs> yes, <laughs> come on. They are Essex based podcast heroes. Shut up. You just got your bell rung. You'll be fine. Tell that to Country Club. <laughs>